Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. I'm Jamie with homeschool.com and I want to welcome you to our series this month entitled You Can Homeschool High School and during this series we'll be chatting with experienced homeschool parents and other experts on the subject of high school homeschooling and we're doing so that you our listeners can see that it is possible to homeschool high school and to do it well. Plus, we want you to know that we've completely updated our high school section on homeschool.com so that it's a solid resource for you as you homeschool high school. It's full of practical tools to help you um, with all areas of, of what you might need while you're homeschooling and to help you homeschool high school on a budget. So we've created free ebooks, guides, tools, printables for all walks of homeschool life. But before we get started, I'd like to introduce my guest today. We are thrilled to have Lee Benz join us. Hi, Lee. Hi, Jamie. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad you had the time to join us. And so before we jump into our topic, I want to formally introduce Lee because she is, she's got a lot of great background. So Lee Bins is known as the Home Scholar. Lee's mission is helping parents homeschool high school. Lee homeschooled their two sons from elementary through high school, and they both received four-year full tuition scholarships from their first choice university. Now, <laughs> everybody wants that, right? So now Lee gets the privilege of pursuing her dream job, encouraging parents to homeschool their children through high school too. So Lee's Total Transcript Solution teaches parents how to create high school transcripts for every homeschool style and her free newsletter provides monthly encouragement and support. And she offers many free resources on her website with support to match any parent's learning style. And you can find her at homehighschoolhelp.com. Thank you. That was excellent. Yeah, (laughs) that could be a mouthful. Oh, well, no, I appreciate all of the helpful resources and things that you do, Lee. It's been very useful, even in my own life. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love talking to parents about transcripts. It's just something I'm so passionate about. And at the same time, parents are so nervous about it. So I feel like I can do the most good by talking to them about their biggest worries, knowing I can make them feel more calm almost immediately. Oh, yes. And that's exactly what I was just going to say, that I talk to a lot of homeschool parents. And that is usually what is top of mind. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whether you go to college or not, your high school student needs those grades, credits and transcripts. And absolutely. You know, a lot of times we as homeschoolers will often not take grades in elementary school. We'll just mm-hmm. kind of let them go because, you know, we're right there with them. We know their progress. No, I didn't. I didn't until high school. I didn't either. And so <laughs> when they get to that point, they're like, okay, now what? So mm-hmm. this is why we wanted to have you on today. So you could kind of give us that direction yeah. of what needs to be done to get them prepared, ready to take grades 
um, yes. how to award credits and then create those amazing transcripts. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I think um, it starts by kind of understanding what it is you're you're doing when you're making these grades and credits and transcripts for the very first time, uh, because you don't need to have been doing it all along. It really is just for high school level stuff, and you don't even have to change your homeschool. Really, what you're trying to do is take your normal homeschool and then translate it into the numbers that colleges need in order to make their decisions and employers need in order to hire the best candidates. And so it's really um, a process of translating normal into educational. And so that's what I like to explain to parents, first of all, because the only thing they really understand is grade numbers and, and credit numbers. And if you don't give that to them, if you just say pass or fail, there are some colleges out there that will say, well, a pass grade is a C. So the student obviously has a 2.0 GPA, which would not be good. And so having the, the grades and credits are just so vitally important to everybody. So uh, when, when I think about credits, I'll often tell people that credits are sort of like measuring swimmers. You're trying to measure how long and how hard the student worked, and that's what a credit is. But within that, there are many different ways to determine a credit. Um, you could give credit based on the curriculum that they used. So one math book, one high school credit. And that's easy. I'm sure you did that yourself, right, Jamie? Yeah, that's a, that's a straightforward approach. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but similar to that is if you buy a curriculum and the curriculum says this is one credit, then your job there is done as well. You know, you finish the curriculum. And by the way, finish means about 80% <laughs> done. And uh, you'd agree with that, right, Jamie? Because you worked as a teacher prior to homeschooling, right? Yes, I did. And it's very rare that you would actually completely finish a book in the course of a school year. Extremely rare. And so what we can do with our homeschool freedom is that we can just decide we're going to try to finish the whole book. And then you get to the end of the year and you can't take it anymore. And you're pulling your hair out and you just wish it would just make it go away, God, right? <laughs> if you're 80% done, you can just decide that was the 20% you weren't going to do, right? Retroactively decide. That's what I say. Um, but then there's the other way, because there are some classes that don't have a textbook and they don't have a curriculum and nobody's measured it for you. And so in that situation, you'd want to estimate the number of hours the student has spent. And I know this is going to sound a little scary, okay? So let me say it first and then I'll explain it the easy homeschool way. <laughs> Um, a, a credit means your student has spent between 120 and 180 hours. And there's a lot of debate on whether it's 120 or 150 or 180. And none of that matters to you because you're a homeschooler and you have all sorts of freedom. Okay. It should fall within 120 to 180 hours, but you don't have to count in five minute intervals. You don't have to count every hour your child has sat in a chair. That's not relevant, okay? Instead, when you're counting hours, 
you're estimating approximately how much time did the student do at that subject. So you'd say, you know, was it an hour a day? Then that would be one credit. Was it five hours a week? That would be one credit. <laughs> um, and so that's how you estimate one whole class because there's some things that homeschoolers do that um, like piano lessons, for example, when my kids took piano lessons, the piano teacher said, you're supposed to be practicing 45 minutes to an hour every day. I didn't have to measure anything. I knew that was a credit. That was how much they were supposed to be sitting in their chair doing their work. They may not have. <laughs> they mostly did. I know that because I'm a mean mom, you know, but, um, you know, you're kind of counting it the way that schools do. You know, it, it's probably going to work out to this many hours, the school estimates. And that's what we do as well. And so um, a whole credit, a whole class is 120 to 180 hours, which is one hour a day or five hours per week. And if you took a half a credit, then it's half of that, half an hour per day or two to three hours per week. Or let's say they worked for five hours a week, but only half of the school year. That also counts as a semester class. And so that's how you determine by hours what a credit is. I will say it's a little difficult when I talk about credits, though, Jamie, because, you know, uh, I'm in Seattle, you're in Georgia, and there are states across the nation that have different um, norms for what a credit is. Some some states will say a whole year of math is one credit. Others will say a whole year of math is two or five or 10. <laughs> and uh, so it, um, it can be very confusing to teach nationwide classes. So just know that what I've described is one whole high school class, okay? And then um, I, I think you mentioned to me earlier that your one of your children did dual enrollment. Is that right, Jamie? Yeah. Yes, yes. I actually had two of them that did some dual enrollment. One, um, uh, they've all they've all graduated from high school now, but I've got one in high school that she is going to start this coming year. So we're getting very exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another way of counting high school credits is when a child does dual enrollment, which means they're going to community college or college classes at the same time they're in high school dual, right? Counts both ways. We as a homeschool parent give the high school credit, the college gives the college credit. Anyway, so if your child is doing dual enrollment, then you give them high school credit based on college level work at any age, really 16, whatever age they are when they're doing that college work, it all counts. Um, and, you know, it's not just um, dual enrollment either. It could be an AP test. That's college credit. It could be a CLEP test. That's C-L-E-P, CLEP test. That's also um, can earn college credit. And so if your child is doing college level work, then you give them one credit for every college level class. So what that means, I know you're very into this, Jamie. So if well, I was we're actually going to ask you about that, because sometimes it can feel a little confusing. You know, oh, it does. You're taking a half a semester class. Yes. As a college student. 
but it counts as a whole. Yes, <laughs> because if college is so much harder, but you're going so much faster. Um, I, I think a common example is math. Instead of taking a whole year in high school to do this math, you're doing it in like six or eight weeks, right? And that's why it's a whole credit, even though it's a shorter amount of time. And um, colleges, um, evaluate what is a credit differently than high school. So a five credit college class doesn't mean you get five whole high school classes for it, but um, instead one whole college class equals one whole high school class. So if your child is taking a college level class, math, science, English, and it's three credits or four credits or five credits or six credits, you still just put one credit on your high school transcript. I will say if, uh, if the college class is very, very small, like PE or pottery, and it's just one or two credits, then sometimes people will put that as a half a credit on their high school transcript, and you can do that. Nice thing about homeschooling, you get to decide your school policy and just, just own that, right? <laughs> and just decide what your policy is. Um, and then the final way of determining high school credit is when your child has some sort of demonstrated expertise. And that's a little harder to nail down because it's not like a test or a class or something like that. But it's like if your child has um, won something big, a huge award in economics or robotics, or your child is working in the field, is actually working as a dental assistant, for example, then those experiences also go on the high school transcript. Like a, a technical high school would have all sorts of um, technical things that, that the child could learn in high school, um, you know, the, the beauty schools sorts of classes, the auto mechanics sorts of classes, all of those technical classes could be put on your high school transcript as well. So that's the many, many ways <laughs> to calculate high school credit. I'm glad you had the example of dual enrollment, though, Jamie, that that was very helpful. Well, I personally have been confused by it. So Yes. That helped me to make it very clear. Yes. Good. Good. Yeah. So then I thought we would talk about grades for a moment too, because I know that the grades and credits, it's like such a giant fear for homeschool parents and it gets bigger and bigger in our mind until your head could explode. Right. But um, sometimes I feel like it's the fear of the grades and credits that is such an impediment I've known people that have quit homeschooling at high school level just because of the transcript, you know? And so that's my job is to make you not be afraid of these things so that you can just do what it is that you want to do for, you know, the betterment of your children. Um, so, so let's talk about grades then, Jamie, are you ready? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so when, and I know that Jamie has previously worked as a teacher and the, the things I have so many members that are teachers because it's very difficult to let go of that four years of training that you learn to educate 30 kids at a time when you're just educating your one. And the skill set is completely different. Um, a common example, teachers have to do a bunch of things to decide if a child has read the book. They give tests or projects or whatever. So they know the child read the book. But 
for a homeschooler, we see the child is reading the book, you know, we converse over dinner about the book, we may have read the book ourselves, you know, and so there's things that um, teachers and schools, they really have to do in order to be fair and accurate with their grades. But that doesn't mean that it translates into homeschooling. It doesn't mean you have to do the same thing that a public or private school teacher would do. So when you're thinking about grades, I like to think about piano lessons and how does a teacher of piano evaluate their students? Because they don't use fill in the bubble tests. Um, they, they don't give essay tests. <laughs> they, they listen, they look at the student's eyes, where are their eyes looking, they watch their hands, they're just listening to the music, right? And that's what we wanna do when we're evaluating grades with our children. We want to evaluate it like it's music and uh, be holistic uh, about it. Because um, if you are evaluating your children only with tests, you're actually doing a disservice to your child because there is no other situation where kids are measured only by tests. You think maybe that teachers in school do it that way, but they don't, you know, they, who's participating in class, who's on time, who turned in their homework, who's got a good attitude, who's trying their best. You know, there's a lot of things that they tie with, with grades on tests. And, and we need to learn how to do that too. Um, so is that your experience also, Jamie? Yes, absolutely. And it, like you said, it's very difficult to do that in a classroom. But that is something that I did as a teacher. I tried to weigh in all those aspects to make yeah. it a little bit more holistic. But the trouble comes is that it becomes subjective. So, yeah. So yeah. then it's difficult when you have a lot of students. But when you're in your own home with your own children, like you said, you know, right. so much it, it fits. It works better because yeah. you're hands on, you're seeing them and you know. Right. Yeah. And you can be more holistic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So when you're thinking about grading a paper or a project, or whether you're thinking about putting a grade on the transcript, it can be easy when you have like a formula for how do you calculate that. And um, I felt my own fears when I was homeschooling high school and I was terrified of the word rubric. And I don't know. I mean, you're probably, she's laughing at me. <laughs> I just, um, you know, when I started homeschooling, people said, you don't know what a rubric is. You can't homeschool. And it's, it hurt my feelings, you know? And so rubric is just one of those things that, that freaked me out. So this is not, I'm not going to give you a rubric. I'm going to give you the homeschool version of calculating grades, okay? And so here's what it means. Um, a grade of A or 4.0, whether it's on the transcript or on a project, that means that your child has mastery over the subject. It doesn't mean that they're perfect, right? Um, our Heavenly Father is perfect, our children are not. <laughs> and so they don't have to be perfect. They only have to show that they understand the concepts. It means, an A means that they meet your high expectations. It doesn't mean that they've exceeded your high expectations. How do you know if you have high expectations? It's when people tell you, wow, you're a mean mom, right? So 
if you've ever heard anybody say, you're a mean mom, I'm telling you, you have high expectations. Um, it means that they have high standardized test scores, right? So if they have high test scores in English areas, you should really be giving them an A in English because they have the skills. Um, a grade of A means the child loves the subject. Mm -hmm. Piano. I love playing the piano, mom. I love playing my electric guitar, mom. Hopefully not drums. I hear they're very loud. Um, and so <laughs> you want to, if they love it, then they're doing it to mastery and have high expectations for themselves. And then the final way of calculating a grade of A means that generally speaking, you are not annoyed overall with that particular subject. <laughs> Grading by annoyance is incredibly accurate. <laughs> um, so a little more quickly, a grade of B means pretty good, but you're absolutely certain that it wasn't worth an A. If you're not certain it wasn't worth an A, then maybe you're not considering uh, holistically that whole grade. Maybe you're looking at just the test scores and I want you to consider the whole grade holistically. A grade of B means the parent is somewhat annoyed. Um, so that will happen if they had a bad attitude, uh, they did something disrespectfully, they wrote about a topic you told them not to write about, uh, you know, they got sassy in their answers on the, the essay test, something like that, okay? A grade of C is like the children's book, right? The terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. That's what a C is like. And a C means that the parent is annoyed, but also disappointed. And the way that you know it's a C is because it was really bad, but you kept going into the next level of curriculum or the next chapter or whatever. Um, not to pick on math haters here, but you know, in the area of math, for example, let's say algebra one was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad math. And then you were tearing your hair out and your child did not love it. And you were pretty annoyed but you determined you were gonna muscle past that gag reflex and you were gonna go straight on into geometry. That's how you know it was a C because you moved on to the next level. When you're homeschooling, I don't recommend a D or below because we're homeschooling. We get to decide if we're gonna drop a class or change the curriculum or wait another year. We can take drastic action about attitudes or behavior or whatever issues are coming up that are making that grade want to be a D, we can address that rather than giving a D for feedback. Feedback isn't as helpful as an intervention uh, with what's going on changing the curriculum. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my summary of grades. And I know that people are very anxious about grades, but I do think it's really important to have a grade for everything. Um, in my own homeschool, I, I did use pass fail for, um, I think it was driver's ed. And I really, I really regret doing that now because now I know what if the college had put in a C for that grade and, and I just don't recommend pass fail. Your homeschool is very real and your evaluations are very real and they're very valid. And, you know, we, we were just talking, Jamie, about how teachers feel like, well, is it, 
is it accurate? You know, do I have some biases towards children? Well, you know, that's how we feel too. As homeschoolers, all teachers feel that way. All teachers feel that way. And um, so what we need to do is just to be, be brave and look carefully at the whole situation. I like how you, how you've laid this out because even though technically it could be a rubric. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Except for the word can't be the word could be the rubric without the word. Um, But it is, it's when you have something like that, it helps you be more objective. It does giving the grade. And so to me, that's, that's very helpful. It's a tool that helps me to rely back on it and say, oh yes, I was very annoyed or no, this went very well. We were not annoyed at all. So yes, that verifies my gut feeling that she should have an A. Mm -hmm. Very helpful. Oh, good, good. Yeah. So, and I think when you're, when you're writing down the grades and the credits, it's good idea to just sort of reflect on why, why are we going through this horrible thing? (laughs) You know, and I will say that making a transcript shouldn't be that hard. I, I try to make it as easy as possible. I know you can get it done in an hour or two with the total transcript solution. It's not that horrible, but it does help to think, why are we going through this? And it's because not only are we trying to educate our, our children, but we also want to perfectly reflect the education of our students so that other people can appreciate it. The, the people at colleges or careers that they'll know what your child did and accomplished and succeeded at in your homeschool transcript can demonstrate their unique gifts, their unique abilities, the things that make your homeschool unique, whether that's incorporating your your farming or um, special nutrition classes or special religious classes. You can include all of that on your transcript. You can include their delight-directed learning even if it is drumming and it drives you insane, you know, there's a lot of things that we can include. Um, And as independent homeschoolers, we can emphasize their success and not their failures. If they experience a failure, again, we can change the curriculum. We can drop the class. We can decide it's not necessary. We can take action. Right. And at the same time, we're providing the numbers that colleges and careers really need in order to evaluate their candidates. And I do think it's important for everybody to make a transcript because, um, well, Jamie, you've already graduated a few, right? Uh, Yeah. And so (laughs) I think what younger parents don't realize is that when a child gets older, they don't just take this one path and it's a straight line, you know, they can change their mind. (laughs) And when they do, Um, They may change their mind and go to a different college or get a second degree or get their master's or their PhD or go get a job in a different country. And there have been people, young people, 28 years old, 25 years old, who have reached out to me and said, I was homeschooled. I don't have a transcript. What do I do? And they're they're stuck, you know, and we don't want to be an impediment to our children's future. And. I, I wish that I could be with you all and, and share coffee um, because I know that it can be scary. I promise it's not that hard to make a transcript. 
but it would be hard if you waited until they graduated 10 years ago and then you were trying to make it because you'd be like, I don't remember how many hours a day. I don't remember this and that. I remember sacks and mass, you'd say, and that's all I remember, you know? And so till sometimes the end of the year, it's hard to remember some. Even at the end of the year. Yes, exactly. And, you know, when people ask me, when do I recommend making their transcript? It really is towards spring, right? Because in the fall, you don't always know. Tell me if I'm wrong here. You don't always know what classes you're going to end up with. Sometimes they'll start and they'll have the best of intentions and then you'll realize you're working 12 hours a day and something's got to give, you know. Um, So you don't always know what's going to end up. And and by the time spring rolls around, you know for sure what their grades are. You know for sure what classes they're really taking, what delight directed learning they're doing for fun. And your transcript will be very accurate. And yes, I would love for people to make their transcript in the fall and adjust it in the spring. That'd be my dream scenario. Uh, but, (laughs) But it doesn't always work that way in real life for moms, uh, but at least, at least once a year. And it can be very valuable to make your transcript every year because your homeschool transcript can get you a good student discount on your car insurance when they turn 16, you know, Um, it can get them into a great summer program. Um, It can get them into dual enrollment. You have to prove that there are certain um, academic level before you can get into dual enrollment. And of course, when they get older, your homeschool transcript can get them into college, can get them uh, big scholarships and maybe maybe a full tuition or even bigger full ride scholarship um, just based on your homeschool transcript alone. So it's very valuable. Great. Absolutely. And what we talked about earlier with the grades and the credits, those are the building blocks. And they're, yes. if, you're, if you're doing them, as you've already mentioned, you have everything you need to put that transcript right. together at the end of the year. Exactly. And, you know, there is um, a, a little bit of an art to making a transcript as well. So if you just start with a rough draft, you can worry about it all you want to, right? You can stress about every little detail and take your time going over the class titles and everything. And, and that's fine. But getting it down on paper at the beginning is, is really helpful. I do encourage people to try to have very descriptive class titles instead of mm, don't do English one, English two, English three, English four, PE one, PE two. It, it's just not descriptive. Um, so trying to find a class title that is more precise um, is is more helpful. But, um, you know, that's that's the fine tuning. I don't want anybody to worry about right now. Right. So at the end of every year, take down what you've accomplished and your grades and kind of make that rough draft that you mentioned. Yes, exactly. As they, as they work through high school then work on the final draft in senior year? Yes. So every year you should be adding each year's classes to the transcript so that it builds and builds and builds. Um, It may, um, for kids that are doing dual enrollment, I should warn you, Jamie, sometimes they, they, the transcript can't fit on one page because they rack up the credits so fast. So I don't want you to get super 
tied up with just one page transcript. It, um, think of it as one page front and back, and then it kind of frees your mind a little bit. Um, but do add those classes every year, because as we've been talking about, it is really easy to forget things. I, I was working with one mom one time, and I, I was pretty surprised when I said, what are you doing uh, this weekend? And she said, oh, we're going to a Latin competition. And I had seen her transcript, and there was no Latin on her transcript. And her daughter was so good, she was competing in Latin, and it was not on her transcript. It's possible even to forget big chunks of information when you don't do it every year. And, and, you know, maybe you'd forget Latin once, but you're not going to forget it four years in a row if you're being consistent and, and checking it four years in a row. Great. And I liked how you mentioned that competition, those special things that our, our teenagers get involved with. And yes. even if it's not technically a course, you know, those, those things can be mentioned and it just, it gives whoever ends up reviewing the transcript, mm-hmm. whether it's an employer or an admissions counselor, it gives them that snapshot of how great this kid is. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, that's one of the tricks of getting big scholarships is to include activities right there on the transcript because some people who are reading it, some colleges, they may not read every piece of paper that you give them. They may not read the whole application but they'll see the transcript. And if the transcript says these are their activities, they can't miss it. Uh, the same thing is true with, with test scores. If your child gets really good SAT or ACT scores, put it there on the transcript, can't be missed. You know, So when you're putting it there, it will be seen. I do think it's important to point out that having something be a class and an activity is not double dipping. Double dipping comes into play when you're using the same thing for two classes. Um, So if you're saying my child does ballet and we're calling it PE and we're calling it fine art, that's double dipping. But if you're saying um, on the transcript, uh, choir is the class and the activity is member of the Bellevue Choir, right? And that was something that um, I did as a public high school student myself. I had choir every year on my public high school transcript and my activity list said I was a member of the Bellevue High School choir every year of high school. And so that is not double dipping. And I know that that can be confusing and people worry about double dipping because we're trying so hard to be honest and careful and truthful in all that we do to present to our child. Uh, But I just wanted to be clear that your group membership is the activity. The learning that was taken place is the class. Right. And the awarding of a credit, as long as you're not right, you know, two times on the credit, then that's, (laughs) that's the problem. Yeah. That's the double dipping problem that we're trying to avoid. Right. Can you talk just a minute, maybe about, I know when you were talking about grades, you mentioned um, grade point average, like the 4.0, the 3.0. Right. That can be super confusing to a lot of us yes. high schoolers. Can you give us that in a nutshell? Yes, I can. I, I will say, first of all, that was like my number one fear 
was making the GPA. And um, one of the reasons why I was a mean mom was because I knew if I could force my children to get 90% average in every class, they would get an A in every class and I would never have to calculate GPA. So my fear of GPA forced my children to have a 4.0. Anyway, so that's a little backstory. When you're calculating GPA, you take the grade number like 4.0 and you multiply it by the credit number. And that gives you a grade point for each class and you calculate the grade point for each class. Now it's easy if they get a 4.0, but let's say it's a half a credit class and they got a 4.0, then your grade point is only two because it's half a four. Okay, so you calculate the grade point for each class and then um, you divide by the number of credits. And that's the number one problem that people make is they're dividing by the number of classes because you're, but that's not it. <laughs> it's divided by the number of credits, right? Um, and I, you know, we teach our children this all the time, you know, calculate with mental math first and then do your math, right? Same thing is true with the GPA. You, you look and you say, oh, it's going to be kind of close to this. And then you'll know if you're wrong, I probably divided by classes instead of by credits. The other thing that's interesting when you're calculating GPA is that it can um, be affected by many different policies. And so some high schools will have a policy of weighting grades. I do not recommend that people weight grades. It makes it harder to calculate your GPA and it doesn't gain you anything. Um, high schools, this is my opinion, okay. High schools weight their grades so that they can argue about whose kids are smarter in their school, right? My, my average GPA is 3.5 and your average GPA is only a 3.2, um, but they do that by weighting grades. So what colleges have told me is that when they look at a GPA, the first thing they have to do is unweight the grades. And so it makes it harder for the parent. It makes it more stressful for us. So really the only time I encourage people to weight grades is when your first choice college asks you to do that. And, and if they ask you to do that, that means they want to give you scholarships. <laughs> so do it, <laughs> uh, but otherwise uh, don't wait grades. It makes it too, too difficult for you. The other thing is that when you're submitting a transcript, often it's in the middle of a year, like the middle of senior year, you're applying to college and you're submitting the transcript. So they don't even have their senior year grades. So when you're calculating senior year GPA, you don't include any of their senior year classes. It's just GPA only includes the classes that are so done, they are completely done and you already have the final grade. And that's the only time you calculate those classes within the GPA. Thank you, that, that simplified it. Um, I know what you said about weighted Oh my goodness, that is so confusing. I, I did exactly what you did and I never waited, waited my high schoolers grades either. Right. Partially right. because I couldn't quite figure it out. Couldn't do the math, yep, there's that. <laughs> but I never did. And you know, all the, the, the colleges that they applied to and the ones that they actually accepted, they've never, they never even asked about it, so. Right, 
Right. Yeah. And I think the, the difficulty is that every high school across the nation, if they're waiting, they're using a different formula. And so it's really not fair to compare this homeschooler from or this school kid from this school to this one that are both waiting because they're not they're not using the same formulas, which is why they like us to unweight them to begin with. You should all speak the same language anyway, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I hope that really helped. And again, if you have any questions, then the total transcript solution explains it very simply. I have uh, an entire class on GPA because I know that that can freak out people. And I have an entire class included with the total transcript solution on creating class titles, because I know that's sort of the art of the whole, the whole deal. And I really do try to make it as simple for people as possible. Um, if you are a professional homeschooler, um, because this is your job, then you can make a professional transcript. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lee. Yeah, I was so glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Appreciate it. And you shared such good information. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Here's to homeschooling with you. Until next time.